Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, guys. It's been in my head since about three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, so now it's going to be in your head. As always, my name is Rory. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. And in the classic words of Richard Keogh after that fantastic win on Saturday, yeah, listen. Yeah, listen. He says that a number of times, and that is my new shot game for you to definitely take on time. Just a three-minute interview of Richard Keogh saying, yeah, listen. Yeah, listen. <laughs> but more importantly, mate, it sounds like you're a bit groggy this evening. Um, are you feeling well? Uh, yeah, it's just part of going back to school, isn't it? Um, <laughs> the kids come in, and then you're sick, you're sick within five minutes. But I've got, my, I've got my tea with a cheeky little plug for one of my favourite podcasts. Um, nice. So I've got my tea, so I, I should be okay. Um, but I apologise if I'm like snorting down the microphone. I am going to try <laughs> to mute myself, and I promise it's not class A's. Um, how are you, man? How are you doing? Very good. As you can see, I'm ripping the new Wickham top, which is made by Hummel. The, uh, Hummel. I'm, I'm a bit privileged because this is the one kit that seems to have uh, not broken down yet, yet. Um, because a lot of the Wickham editions have broken down, like oh, damn. the badges peeling off. So I'll just show oh. that's in prime condition. So I might have to frame it after this episode, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, keeping well. Weekend was far too short, and we have a lot of football to talk about as so ever. Much. I mean, where do we start? Let's start with Serie A. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that was amazing in itself. But obviously, there's talking points in the Premier League, right, Rory? Well, exactly, exactly. So in the show, we are going to be talking about, in the Premier League, we're, of course, going to be talking about PGM, LOL, mm. um, and the bane to our existence that they are. We're going to be talking about Aston Villa running riot against Brighton, um, kind of stealing the crown there a little bit, maybe. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Korean guy and how karma in football is just <laughs> the best thing. And we're going to give a little bit of time to Crystal Palace because we have to give them a honourable nod, even though United losing at this point isn't really a story anymore. Um, then in Serie A, oh, of course, and Luton get their first win. We need to have a yes, little bit of a chat yeah. about Luton. They looked a lot better, but mm. it was Everton. Um, then in Serie A, <laughs> we're going to be discussing our Napoli back. Um, mm -hmm. has the social media team actually saved Rudy Garcia because they yeah. have not been the same since uh, we're going to be talking about Milan beating Lazio and nothing is going well at Lazio mm. at the moment Sari and Lotito 
having a verbal boxing match uh, quite publicly. We're going to be talking about Martinez in his incredible cameo um, down south in Salernitana. We're going to have a little bit of love for Orsolini, and we will talk a little bit about Genoa and a rising Mm. star in their ranks. So lots and lots to talk about. Um, Shall we start, Adam, with the PGMLOL um, and (laughs) how on God's earth this game was run. Now, I'm just going to very quickly Mm. say, as I was watching that game, as a spectacle, unbelievable entertainment. I absolutely loved every minute minute of it. I could not stop watching. Mm. It was incredible. I also want to give a lot of credit to Liverpool's performance because the way they played with 10 and 9 men, I think if it wasn't for Joel Matip and the incredibly unlucky... like. Scott's clearance, yeah. Yeah, like so unlucky. Mm. I think Tottenham do not break that team down. I think it ends a draw. Mm. It's just that freak result, that freak action that gets Liverpool, that gets Spurs the win. So I think I have to say Liverpool were fantastic. I think Spurs were bang average and against 10 men for so long and against Mm. nine men for so long, you should be able to create more ideas. Before we talk about the referee, what did you think of the team's performances? And then we'll talk about everything else. Let's try and focus on the football. Yeah, if we st- stick with the football, um, I think Liverpool can count themselves unlucky. Um, very much so in terms of, like, obviously, if we take away the sending-offs for a minute, I felt like they looked the most likely to cause Spurs a lot of issues. And Spurs seemed to kind of struggle. I know they implemented their ways and as soon as it got down to that kind of eight and nine men they, or ten men should I say initially and then nine men um, they were just like trying to just persevere I think is the first mm-hmm. words. I mean I was first and seeing that on Saturday with Wickham as well. It's not that easy when you've got you know ten men behind the block and yeah. you know that you're trying to break that down so yeah, I think it's a valiant effort by uh, Liverpool, and but you would expect a bit more from Spurs as well, given the qualities they've got. But I think that just goes to show how well drilled Liverpool were, and yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. you know well, they took it. Also, Klopp's ability to adapt to it. I think his mm. substitutions were fantastic. His tactical changes were incredible, and he seemed to time the substitutions perfectly. He was like. Yeah. How he went, okay, and wait, and wait, okay, now they're knackered, change. Yeah. Now they're knackered, change. And he just timed it and set it out perfectly. I thought it was really adaptable, whereas Tottenham didn't adapt. Mm. And they didn't, they had one plan the entire game. And even when, like, when Liverpool were down to nine, obviously it was just, right, guard the middle of the pitch, right? Just block the middle of the pitch. That's all you do. But I think Tottenham, they didn't even, they weren't switching the ball quick enough. They If they tried to spread out a bit wider... Liverpool players would have had to go wider. They would have spread that. And I just feel like it showed that well, where the teams are, I suppose. Tottenham are doing very well with this model that they're playing with, mm-hmm. but they yeah. need to play with that longer before they can start experimenting and changing yeah. with it, right? Whereas Liverpool are obviously much further down this road and they were just much more adaptable. So I think it really... Liverpool have impressed me a lot so far this season anyway. I think mm-hmm. they genuinely are title contenders. Yeah. Um, even though they lost this in Spurs, one, I would still have Liverpool ahead of Spurs in the title race. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really, really impressed by them. And I think this showed that like Klopp has got that. The players always supported him, but they are yeah. absolutely willing to die for him. And the players that he's brought in, even like Graf and Birch or like Endo, I think Endo still has a bit of work to do and needs to get used to the league. Mm-hmm. But these players are coming in and doing a job. 
mm. and have raised the level. I was really, really impressed with Liverpool, basically. And Spurs, I think, have just been a little bit lucky. A little bit lucky. Um, yeah. And even against Arsenal, it was a terrible mistake by Jorginho, but that's lucky for Spurs. Like, mm-hmm. both those things can be true, right? So I think... Yeah, of course. It's they've had a few results that maybe flatter to deceive them, mm. but again, that's probably me being a little bit biased as well. Um, but we can only delay it for so long. Let's talk about the refereeing decision. Now, I don't know about you before we get to the big decisions, yeah. It felt to me like the referee completely lost control of the game and was giving yellow cards for everything, and I mm. do think it was slightly more harshly towards Liverpool than Spurs. What did you think? Because I thought there was a few where Romero got away with it, but Robertson didn't, or Jota didn't get away with it, but Basuma did. I felt like it was a really, like generally just awful refereeing performance. Yeah, I think there was a few that I wouldn't have necessarily given it. I mean, definitely like Jota's first one, for example. Mm. Definitely. I mean, what is he supposed to do? He's just running. He wasn't even doing a foul. So for that one, for example, that was definitely far from a yellow card incident. And yeah, like you say, I think he was very lenient towards Spurs in particular. Some of those challenges that was made by the likes of Romero and Uh yeah, like you say, Basuma. Um, Yeah. I agree with you on that side of things. But if we dive into those red cards, I think he got the first one in terms of Curtis Jones right. I thought thought that was a right decision. I what thought we were going to disagree. No, I no. thought it was a red card. I no. thought it was a red card. I think it was unlucky that he slips on the ball, but also it doesn't stop it being a dangerous tackle. It doesn't stop it yeah. being a potentially dangerous yeah, exactly. player. I think you'd got to really be pushing to say that's not a red card. So I think that's not yeah. an issue. My issue was, obviously, the offside yeah, of and the first booking for Jota are the two where I'm yeah, like, yeah. what is happening here? So the the, mm. the first booking for Jota doesn't have to be anything. He is no. then stupid enough to dive into a fucking tackle of two course, minutes later. Yeah, yeah. So I think even Jurgen Klopp had no sympathy towards uh, Jogo Jota, Jota yeah. and was just like, right, how do we deal with this? Like, he has been stupid. But mm. that first yellow card reminded me of when David Luiz got sent off against Wolves. Yeah, yeah. And there was fuck all they could do about it. Red card, we're down to nine men or whatever. They get a mm. penalty. And it's just one of those where it's like, but what do you think he was trying to do? What is he supposed to do in that situation? The guy clicks his knee and it's just ridiculous. But the offside, so... Pugmol, however you want to say it, PGMOL, Pugmol, have said that there was a breakdown in communication, that the VAR thought that the goal had been given, so then he says check complete, which means to go with the on-field decision, and then when it was, by the time the ball was kicked off again, it was too late to correct the decision, so they just carried on with the game. Now, I don't know, how many times does a team take a free kick... Yeah, and then the ref goes, no, 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 bring it back, take yeah, exactly. a free kick again, right? Yeah, I don't know why this is any different. I feel like there was mm. just a complete blind panic of yeah. just we've fucked this decision, and rather than just giving a minute and like we're used to VAR taking a long time, mm. I know people complain about how long it takes, but when it's a decision this big, just take the extra thirty seconds and go, no, no, wait, 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 we need to. There's something gone wrong here. Yeah. So, Adam, I'm going to ask you, Is the do you think, like me, the issue isn't the technology, it's the people using it? 
Yes, it is because it's been proved over the last few seasons, even when we've got VAR in existence and used for those kind of controversial decision-making decisions, that they still get it massively wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they managed to get this one so badly wrong because you've not just got one, you've got two people judging it. And I think that makes the whole situation 10 times worse. If it was one of them, you could kind of go. And we've seen like Dermot Gallagher on bloody TNT or BT Sport, as it was, trying to justify some of these decision-making. And I still never agree with him on half of the ones that he kind of calls out. So this is where I think logic is really badly wrong there. Um, But yeah, I think there was also something that I listened to earlier, which is the rules get changed so often that we're having to adapt to the new rules so often as well. Each season, there seems to be a new interpretation, new ways of working, for example. And it is just screwing up with everyone's kind of ways of working, of understanding what should be a foul and what isn't a foul. So when it's something as black and white as offside, this shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be this bad, should it? No, it, it can't be. It can't be. And I feel like... I understand that it takes time to like implement these things. And like when there's such a big thing as like, right, you're introducing a video assisted referee. Right. And I don't know what it was like in cricket and rugby when it was first brought in and NFL, but maybe Mm. there was growing pains. Maybe there was a few years where it was all over the place and eventually people caught up and eventually. So I think maybe in a positive, say looking at it with a positive perspective, you can say this is a learning moment, right? This is where you go, okay, how do we fix this? But the one thing I couldn't get over was like, to to switch it to my job quickly, right? When I have mm. to take an exam, when I have to do an exam, right? We yeah. have a specific script that you go through. You cannot deviate from that script. Mm-hmm. You have to go through the procedure and it's like, has this student done? Yes. Has this? Yes. Has it? And you have to go through it. You record yeah. it and you have that script, right? They need a, just where they just, even just mirror what the decision is to each other. So onside, onside, check, check, done. Just something, because yeah. just saying check complete, you could say that about anything. You have given no view on what your what your call is. You just say check yeah, yeah, complete. Exactly. Or check complete with what? Say check yeah. complete onside. Check complete yeah, yeah. offside. Like it just takes that little bit more, and then you would would not have this issue at all. So I just mm. think there needs to be, and this is why I'm kind of glad that Liverpool are pushing it. Like there's a lot of narrative now where like oh Liverpool want the game replayed Liverpool want the points that's not what they said that's not what they said in the statement they said we are exploring all options right which is just a vague threat but what they want is Pugmol to be afraid and to fucking act on it because all they've done for years is make mistakes apologize and then learn nothing nothing yeah like not even try to learn from it like if you look at Sheffield United getting relegated because the goal line technology wasn't turned on at Villa Park, right? You look at Arsenal in a title running in January, having a last minute equaliser given against them when the player was blatantly offside because they forgot to draw the lines. You look at Mm. Wolves having a terrible start to the season because Onana fucking punches the player in the face and doesn't get a penalty. Whatever it is, all of these huge moments, and you Mm. could list a million more of these huge moments, right? Not at any point have they sat and gone, okay, how do we fix this? They've just yeah, gone, no. write a quick apology. Okay, moving on. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, it's insane. 
Yeah, and I was going to ask you, do you think Howard Webb is the right person to bring no. in? Because obviously, no. at the moment, it doesn't feel like he's changed much apart from like try and speed up the process of the decision making, which it's has got, got worse. worse, right? So, and I think wh- what he's done is he's come in and he's been like, right, I need my new things, I need my mm. stamp, right? So he's yeah. gone. I'm going to stamp down on time wasting and players asking for cards. How yeah. long did that last? It didn't last two, very long. Two game weeks? Yeah. There was players in every match that have gone like this with the card, yeah, yeah. the imaginary card, and not got booked. But yeah. fucking Erdegaard against against Spurs, straight away, yellow card, yeah. right? With the added time, right? Some games mm. get 12 minutes, and then on the same day, the other one would be four minutes. And you're like, mm. this always what we're saying fine if you want to come up with these things but make it consistent and don't yeah. just do it for vanity it seems like he's coming yeah. to be like right what could like a politician what are my legacy um what are my like legacy ideas that people are going to remember me for but then have no interest in actually implementing it and like mm. he was also in charge as far as i'm aware when they voted against taking automated offside which why are no other European leagues having issues with offsides this year? Because yeah. they've got automated they've got automated offside. And it's just it's it saves you doing the fucking job. Like <laughs> it saves things like this happening. Like I just cannot believe they didn't vote for it. And now Liverpool do have every right to be fucking fuming because at mm. that point, down to ten men, one nil up, the way Liverpool play with ten men, you could argue that they win that game. Mm, yeah, it's very true. And then one other point, because we've seen obviously the news of Saudi Arabia tapping up the English refs to go and referee. But before we go, like, kind of dwell too much on that, what I want to kind of explore here is do we feel like the quality of referees just isn't there? Because, yeah. like, I, I've seen it in lower leagues. I saw it this weekend as well yeah, yeah. with my very own eyes. Not brilliant. And the problem is, like, we need referees, regardless of whether you hate them, love them, whatever yeah. your stance point is. We we need to somehow encourage the growth of referees to be as good as they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And one part of it is clearly referees in the Premier League need to be paid more. There needs to be better scrutiny as well, like to to yeah. the point of, look, if they have a bad game, we there need to be like some consequences as well. There need to be like I, I beyond think getting when, the weekend off. When you and Tommy interviewed Mark Halsey, and he, mm-hmm. he kind of referred to that point of like he was like demoted to like do a League One, League Two game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, actually didn't mind it because it meant he actually actually had to raise his game and make sure that it was not being ridiculed by those level yeah. of fans because he's like, look. He's Premier League referee now. That's the reason why he's down here. Yeah, so yeah. I think that that's an element of it. And um, interesting comments by Spanish Tickle. Nice having you on board as well. VAR has killed a game. I mean, thoughts, Rory? I think the issue was already there. VAR has just mm. made it much more obvious. I think the, the issue and lack of talent within refereeing in this country has been there for a while. And there are a million different reasons for that. It's the videos you see on Twitter of grassroots referees getting chased off the pitch no, by that's ridiculous, fucking yeah. thick bastards who want to beat them up. You get the fact that there is no incentive to be a referee beyond you just mm. love the game. Like, I think and we have to figure out a way to harness talent and encourage people because, as you said, the game doesn't happen without them. Mm. And we need every thick cunt who threatens referees to just 
not like because why well, you have to start consequences right? it's got you to be consequences to, yeah. for that level as well yeah. i think the stories you're hearing is that there's not even getting like any jail time or anything like that for the consequences because they're actually beating up these referees and linesmen and it's that's Why no, would you, not called for. Like, would you want to go into it? There's not not enough money on the planet that I'd want to be a referee. Like, I and that's why so I think it, no. we have to find a way to encourage people. And I just saw Jamie Carragher on the telly, and he was like, "Why don't we just bring in the best referees around the world?" No, we have to create our own. You wouldn't just say for players and coaches, "Oh, we'll just bring in the best from the world." The whole thing is about how do we make the England team the best? How do we get decent English coaches? Mm. How can we progress the English game? Why should it not be the same for referees? How can we make our referees mm. better? I do think that the particular crop of referees at the moment is particularly bad, but I also think they're seen as particularly bad because VAR highlights it more. Whereas yeah, in the yeah. past, it would have just been, oh, he made a mistake. Now it's like, okay, watch the video again. Watch the video again. Okay, what did this guy say? What did that? So it's under yeah. much more scrutiny now, which means that the standard has to be higher because it's under so much scrutiny. Yeah. I think there's a million different reasons why this happens, but what we need also is Pugmol, that's my chosen pronunciation, <laughs> to actually try and improve something. And the, the missus made a really good point, actually, because we were talking about Klopp, and how he was like, he, he said the quote, oh, it's funny for you, but for me, it's expensive. Mm. When he said he didn't want to complain because he's going to get fined. Yeah, yeah. And the missus was just like, well, why? Like, so they just complain, they just apologize and that's it. I was like, yeah. He said, well, why, if the managers have to pay a fine, why don't Pugmol have to pay a fine when they make a mistake? Yeah. Why don't they have yeah. to like, even if it's just a nominal thing of like, we will, every time you make a mistake, the money you pay goes to grassroots football, whatever yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Just some kind of financial in incentive for them yeah. to not fuck up their job. Because at the moment, they can just do what they like. And also, last thing maybe, when they issued that statement, um, the presenter on Sky Sports, I can't remember his name, he's an idiot, I don't like him, um, the main presenter, whatever his name is, Jones? Jones, is it? Something Jones? I'm trying to think who it was now, but yeah, anyway, carry on. He said, well, fair play to them for fronting up. No, 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 they haven't fronted up. No, They've oh, yeah, written no. a statement and got you to read it out. That is not fronting up. Like, in Serie A now, in Italy, at the mm. end of every weekend, they have referee watch and they have referees on that talk about VAR decisions and talk about big moments across the weekend and they get scrutinized and they get asked and they get praised and they get everything because it was getting ridiculous here as well. Yeah, Why on God's green earth are we not getting these people to stand in front of a camera like managers and players mm -hmm. have to yeah, yeah. and say, right, what was that decision? Why did you say that? And not only would we learn so much about the game and we'd mm -hmm. see them as humans, which would be solve a lot of other problems as well. It would give them some fucking accountability because there is zero yeah. accountability at the minute. Yeah, definitely. And to your point, one last point for me is, whilst I, I don't agree with what Jamie uh, Jamie Redknapp even said about potentially bringing in the best referees, I think there's something that could be learned by bringing ex-referees, i.e. your cleaners, etc., to actually help develop the new role. and consultancy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just to bring up and nurture these talents and, you know, Shimon Michaniak, the uh -huh. Polish one, yeah, who's obviously yeah. an ex-footballer turned into a referee, it might be good for him to come in and spend some time with some 
developing referees, and we're not talking about the ones that are in Premier League, but I'm thinking more developmental to just observe a game and give his feedback. Just an opportunity for them to kind of develop and work on those kind of interactions because he's got that experience in the big games. He's been at the World Cup. He's been in Champions League final. He's obviously been wanted by Saudi Arabia and he's turned it down. Uh Um, And that's credit to him. But I think generally just there's so much we could do to assist those referees to nurture that talent as well coming through. So that's something Howard Webb should just work on rather than just kind of apologise for every mistake and not do anything about it. So And the thing about them working in the UAE needs to finish now. That needs to stop today when one of the clubs who's in the Premier League is owned by that country. That needs to stop now they do everything to stop conflict of interest in the english game right you mm. can't own two two teams you can't have like they do yeah. everything to stop conflict of interest why are we not doing it with the people who literally decide results which is what they did at the weekend they decided the result um so yeah sorry spurs you're not getting any credit because the way sky sports <laughs> talked sky sports at the end of it i know i'm biased but they were like oh the really incredible performance from spurs top draw and i was like are you you know they were playing against 10 and 9 men, right? Yeah, I know. Like, I, know. I couldn't believe it, honestly. But I think Liverpool have come out with so much credit. Jurgen Klopp was amazing afterwards, how he managed to... Surprisingly amazing. That's the well, thing. The thing is, right, the journalist <laughs> proper fucked it at the end. It was a really good interview. And then he was like, I'm surprised you're so calm. And Jurgen Klopp just looked at him and I was like, yeah, you fucked it. Now Jurgen Klopp was like, yeah, I'm going. And he couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know I'm trying to stay calm. And yeah. then you try to get me to be angry. Fuck you, mate. I'm gone. Like, yeah, And I exactly. really had so much respect for Jurgen Klopp there. He gets a lot of stake, unfairly. Oh, I think he's as bad as so Arteta for moaning. So he's as bad as Guardiola for moaning. Just for mm. some reason, Jurgen Klopp gets it more. But yeah, 2-1 Spurs. Incredible, incredible Saturday night entertainment. I'll be honest, like, genuinely <laughs> incredible Saturday night entertainment. But for the Premier League, it is embarrassing. It is very, very mm. embarrassing. But we're going to go to the early game on Saturday, which was yes. equally box office, but with wow. no, no controversy. No. Aston, Aston Villa, just insane. I wasn't expecting that scoreline. No. And one thing you have to say, Aston Villa absolutely dominated Brighton. No matter what Brighton tried to do, I mean, they had to hire XG out of the two despite the scoreline, which is the most surprising <laughs> thing. Um, but it's typical kind of deserve football. It's going to go one way or the other. It's never going to be a straightforward 1-0 defeat, is it really? And mm. Aston Villa really did exploit Brighton in terms of they anticipated that, you know, they wanted to, to be attacked. What they did was sit back and then counted on them. And I think what probably helped them was the likes of the, f- the middle of the two, so they had Billy Gilmore and Hinchelwood, who is uh, ex-Wickham player as well. His father, Adam Hinchelwood, played for Wickham, but his son is playing for Brighton because oh. also Hinchelwood played for Brighton. That was his first appearance. I think one. his He'll granddad probably... did as well. There's yeah, there's, there is a connection well. there as yeah. well. But I mean, yeah, probably one of those that the press was just too much for them. And yeah. in McGinn, I mean, he's just a pit bull in itself because you've got him and Douglas Ruiz pressing in the middle. And then it just allowed the attacking forces down the wings. I mean, you saw Matty Cash. He looked like Roberto Carlos, didn't he? Like with mm. his pace and just the crosses he was doing. But Special words to Ollie Watkins. We spoke about him in the previous game. He looked superb in front of Gareth Southgate. It got me thinking, why isn't there other clubs kind of purring over him now? Because he's got 
almost the whole package. Just maybe the consistency yeah. right in front of goal. That's think, the only thing. But I can see yeah. it pushing on this season, that's for sure. He's been linked. Oh, now Arsenal are getting linked to every striker at the minute because we need yeah. a striker. But he's been linked with Arsenal long term. And I think Arteta mm. does really like him. I'd be delighted with him. But I think, as yeah. you said, he's, he needs to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal more consistently. But... Mm. This game, he was absolutely fantastic. All of his finishes were just insane finishes, like beautiful yeah. finishes. And he could have had more. He could have had more. It, like he just constantly kept finding space. And I think what I didn't really expect from Diaby because I hadn't seen so much of him. I just what I had seen of him when he was at Leverkusen, he played mainly mm. on the right, on yeah, the yeah, wing, yeah. and it was just like run down the wing, get the ball in, run down the wing. But yeah. his ability to play make as well and mm. his relationship with Watkins has been formed so quickly. And they were just mm. having beautiful little one-two passes and little through balls. Yeah. And like their relationship has, has blossomed so quickly. Mm. It was beautiful to watch. And I think, yeah, just the sheer pace. And all they did was just wait for Brighton to make mistakes. Yes. They like... Now, obviously, Brighton did have an off day, right? They were not playing well, but mm. the ability to jump on their mistakes, like, not every team does that, right? And not every team will do that. And I think Aston Villa have kind of shown a semi-blueprint of how to beat Brighton here or yeah. how to how to cause Brighton problems. They But, but they were just so ruthless. Every mistake they made, goal. Yeah, and, it yeah, just, yeah exactly. the and then you could see, like, Brighton, it happened with West Ham, right? They just randomly took an absolute battering off mm. West Ham. And I think once the game starts to get away from them, they can just become a bit flustered and get a bit yeah. lost. And that's what we saw here. As good as Aston Villa were, Brighton, they tried to come out first half, Ansu Fati gets the goal, and you think, yeah. okay, game on. Mm -hmm. But then again, something goes wrong, and the whole thing gets away from yeah, them. Like, yeah. I think... Brighton are still going to be incredible this season, but Aston Villa, we said they should be pushing for Europe. They're yeah, definitely, definitely going to be pushing for Europe here. Um, and it's just unbelievable, unbelievable performance. Great, great match to watch. And I think, yeah, John McGinn, it was weird because when he first came into the Premier League, he was fantastic. Then he went missing for a very long Quiet. time. I feel like he kind of... I think that was the Stevie G effect, yeah, though. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. it was. Michael Beale sacked this week. Um, <laughs> I, I think the manager definitely didn't help, right? But it's great to see him back again. And just like his mm. his strength on the ball, his his through balls again, his like ability to like find space and like he's quite press resistant. He able he's yeah. able to like get the ball and get away from presses and stuff. I think unbelievable player and just very very exciting to watch and i think he kind of gets ignored a little bit because he's scottish and it's not like <laughs> without sounding like he's Alabama's. not spanish basically yeah, right? he's, yeah. He's, it's not john mcginio so he kind of gets <laughs> ignored a little bit um but he's an unbelievable player and aston villa will be delighted that he keeps getting ignored because they want him there for a very long yeah. time um and yeah you were right to call out matty cash on his day i feel like again consistency for him is an issue but That's on his day on his day, yeah. he can be unbelievable. And he was mm. fantastic in that game. Um, and yeah, Brighton didn't really cause any problems at all. Like the Ansu Fati no. goal was fine, but then Villa just kind of stood up again and just went again. Yeah, I will only say that I think two goals from an Aston Villa point of view could have been disallowed um, or pulled okay. back. It was a referee decision. So the first one was, I think it was the second Ollie Watkins uh, goal, mm -hmm. where there's someone in the view of Jason Steele and that's the one where it, I felt like if there is that kind of rule, that obstruction against a goalkeeper uh, should be, you know, a free kick for the goalkeeper's team. 
then that should have been one. And then there was okay. another one where Solly March gets chopped down aggressively by D- right. Douglas Louise, yeah, yeah, yeah. which broke down. And I think I want to say it was D- Diaby then pulls it in for, um, I think it was Ollie Watkins again for okay. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was what that those two incidents where I'm thinking Solly March gets chopped. That should be a free kick. And yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. one where the block or, you okay. know, that, that should, but respective of that, that's still four one. Like Aston Villa still fully deserved it. Yeah. There was no, fully there was no that. other, no. no other like just result here. And I think, no. look in the table that brings Aston Villa. And we were saying they were having a bit mm. of a shaky start, or I was saying they had a bit of a shaky start. Yeah. But they've now won five and lost two. <laughs> like that's not bad. And um, this considering they had the midweek of Legia Warsaw as well, yes. where they lost, and I think that possibly rejuvenated that side a bit because obviously yeah, yeah. they got that Chelsea result. Now they've got this one. And they seems lost to be... Everton. Let's not forget. Yeah, forgot Everton. about that. Yeah. They lost but... to Everton. Like, they... nobody <laughs> loses to Everton. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's great for them to get back and go in again. Um, yeah, up on 15 points. Only three points yeah, off the top, exactly. Aston Villa fans. Incredible to see. Unbelievable yeah. scenes. Um, Brighton on the same points. So they'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. But a fantastic yeah. game to watch. And kicked off a fantastic Saturday in a fantastic manner um because mm. i'm like we're not even going to talk about the arsenal game i'm just going to say us winning four nil away <laughs> while the while the other results that happened happened was just oh god it was incredible all i could have asked for was a tottenham loss but we're going to go to the first one that i enjoyed um the most maybe cool. and we're going to talk about the korean guy this is why i love football adam right because when he said that press conference when he said the korean guy in the back of my head i was like just stick a fiver on huang to score the winner just stick a fiver <laughs> on because it might just be worth a punt yeah and i was like ah oh, no 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 don't be stupid don't be stupid but huang he gets the winner and the wolves admin just put up the korean guy yeah. on their twitter post as he scores the goal um Wolves have kind of been threatening this for a while, I think. They've not been as bad as the points show, I think. How have you felt about Wolves? I feel like they've just struggled to finish in this game. They didn't. Um, there's there's a mixture, I would say, um, because they have changed their styles under Gary O'Neill. I think if you look at the first game against Man United, they were very unlucky at that point. Um, should have debatably got three points that day. Um, mm. But... Obviously, it didn't happen to transpire that way. They then changed into a bit of a more defensive mode. And for this match, they went back to the same formation that they did against Manchester United. And you can see what a difference it makes. And I'm so glad I brought Pedro Neto back into my fantasy football team because he, that boy, he just looks incredible. He looks so, so ready. Like, again, he's another player that I'd be excited to play at a bigger club and uh, that's no disrespect to Wolves but I think if they don't have Pedro Neto I don't think they've got necessarily that spark in that team Mm. and I think that makes a huge difference I know obviously Mateus Cunha was that spark at the beginning of the season but he's since gone Uh, interesting to hear the boos as well against him but um, regardless of that we have to also highlight the performance of Craig Dawson as well what a man marking job he did on Haaland Haaland that was the lowest kind of attempts on goal that he's had one shot shot. and that was barely even a shot was it um he did a fantastic job i mean if there's any way of learning how to handle harland that was the show 
Dawson's a weird one because I've talked to a friend of the show, Tom, who's a West Ham mm, fan, yeah, yeah. about Dawson. And he was saying he's one of the most underrated centre-backs in the league. Like, he's so underrated. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I was like, ah, and I watched him at West Ham, and I was like, this guy is bloody good. Like, mm. he is very, very good. And I feel like that performance was just, he's just a solid, yeah, no nonsense league standard centre-back. No nonsense, like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think, the thing. He was absolutely outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. And just, you could tell that his job was just, you have to know where Holland is at every minute. That is yes. all you have to do this 90 yeah. minutes. You just need to be looking at him the entire time and then do what you do. And he just could not get anywhere. He could, Holland couldn't get further than five feet away mm. from him. You know what I mean? It yeah, was just exactly. an incredible job. And I think we have to give credit to Gary O'Neill because having watched Bournemouth and how fucking terrible they are, mm. Like Gary O'Neill, we all said it was a harsh sacking, and it's kind of annoying because you know we were talking about Deserdby uh, is kind of ammo yeah. to tell the people of like, oh, he doesn't know this league. It's ammo to tell them to fuck off. Well, Andoni Iriola is damaging us because he, they're all <laughs> going to turn around and go, see, I told you, you didn't know the league. You need a manager yeah, yeah. who knows the league, right? You need a good yeah, English exactly. manager. But Gary O'Neill is doing an insane job at Wolves. He did an incredible job at Bournemouth. Um, and I think they'll be fine under him. Like he's a team that we were worried about, but I think he's got them playing a style that that works for them. And as long as they can just stay clinical, because they're not conceding a lot of goals, mm. they're not conceding many goals. If they can just get that clinical clinicality, clinicalness, I think they'll be absolutely fine. And Huang is a player that when he came into the Premier League, he had a really fast start. Yeah, he got a run, lot of yeah. goals, and yeah. then he went quiet as the season went on. So mm. I think he could be a bit of a streaky player, but if you've got someone like that who's technically very good, quick, strong, yep. you've always got a chance. And I think there was a really good finish. Kyle Walker did his best to get it off the line. He very nearly yeah, got of course, that. Yeah. But I think to show that calmness, and again from Cunha, he like, no, hold it. He's in a better position. Like I think Gary O'Neill just must have turned around to him and said, we have to make the most of our chances. Yeah, we just massively. have to. If, like if you see someone's in a better position, you just have mm. to give it them because we need to just, whenever we're in front of goal, we need to score. And they got from one shot, two goals. Mm. Like that is clinical. Yeah. <laughs> that That's is massive. very clinical. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. So fair play. Yeah. Fair play. And but sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I think Man City did miss Rodri in the middle of the park. Oh, I think it's massive how much of a difference a defensive midfielder makes to that team. But clearly that kind of hold he has and he does dictate a lot of the play. And I think since, obviously, De Bruyne has been injured, uh-huh. potentially that plays a part as well, potentially. But, yeah, Rodri... They miss Rodri Ro- more. Rodri is a bigger more. miss. I think Definitely. If Arsenal don't beat him on Sunday, Arsenal are never going to beat Man City. If we don't They've beat them on Sunday, to. we're never going to beat them. Because got to do it. Rodri is so massive to what they mm. do. And he feels like the adult in the room when everyone's yes. playing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, exactly. The amount of times he's just gone, right, fine, popped up and scored a winner. He's done it against mm. us twice, I think. Like, he just feels like the adult in the room. I think they miss him so monumentally. And I think, I feel really bad for Calvin Phillips because it's not worked for him at Man City. I no. think we will see him leave in January. He's being thrown in now mm. and he's got four games to save his career, basically. That's weird. And then it? Kovacic, I think, is a very good midfielder in his day was unbelievable, but he was only ever meant to be a stopgap. If you know what I mean? Like, okay, he's mm. here if we're in trouble, but there were so many times where wolves were just running through that midfield. And he looked like a United player running back. <laughs> like the pace, the pace he wasn't hitting yeah. was insane. So I think like Man City, they're missing a lot of pieces at the moment. And this is the mm. only way that anyone else is ever going to win it. We need City to be 
suffering basically we need stuff to be (laughs) going wrong for them because if everything goes right for them nobody gets a chance Um, yeah of course so i'm quite happy to see things not going perfectly for them at the moment Mm -hmm. um but it does show you that rodri this is why people are paying so much money for defensive midfielders at the moment because yeah true they they are so key and finally a position like gilberto silva that was ignored for years people are finally going Oh, actually, no, this is actually pretty important. You need to invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to get that proper. So yeah. I think it's good to see City not getting it all their own way, basically. Mm. Um, but congratulations to Wolves. What a win and could be a real um, catalyst for their season now. Yep. They are on seven points. One, two, drawn one, lost four. Um, that's not bad, considering the teams no. at the bottom are who they are. That should already be enough of a point gap to see them kind of say. It's very true. Because <laughs> um, Bournemouth looked fucking atrocious. I'll be honest, they yeah. looked so, so bad. But we are going to move on from there to Old Trafford, where the roof was leaking. And not only did the fans have to watch that, they were also getting piss wet through in the biggest metaphor for Manchester United in the last 10 years that there has ever been um I genuinely felt bad for the United fans honestly I was like this is just a miserable experience (laughs) such a miserable experience um but Roy Hodgson first manager ever to get three wins in a row at Old Trafford yeah um no no wait first manager to go five games unbeaten at Old Trafford the yeah, latest manager three to win wins, three games in yeah. Old Trafford in a row because Pep Guardiola has done it as well, I think, because of course he has. Um, <laughs> but Roy Bloody Hodgson and Crystal Bloody Palace, they've got United's number, right? They do. And this, considering the backdrop of, they had an opportunity midweek, obviously, maybe mm-hmm. to push into the League Cup and... He decided, no, they're going to concentrate on Saturday, which everyone was kind of scratching their heads going, what are you thinking, Roy? Like, you can't be doing that. But fair play to them. They did a job on them and Man United had no answers for it. They weren't, they didn't even look threatening at times. Like, they they had their chances, right? But they didn't look like they were going to ever get the ball in the back of the net. And I think it asked more questions around, like, obviously, yes, Ten Hag has got an injury crisis, but there's fundamentally still again that question of what does he do Monday to Friday with the squad? Because they clearly don't seem to be practicing on the key bits that they need to focus on, which is mm. either you go change your route of how you're going to get to that goal or do you kind of like just per- uh, perfect, I suppose, how are you going to finish off those chances mm. as well? And I don't get the feeling of either. There's still that kind of question about what is the star? What is the star with Ten Hag? I'm still not getting that. So your thoughts? I found obviously the left back position is such like Reggion in as well. It's just like an absolute joke. And it's just like a nightmare for a Ten Hag. So I think that obviously that means you have to shift Amrabat into, well, you have to. He chose to to put Amrabat at left back. I feel like there must have been another option beyond that. But... I don't know. United Youth team well. player, perhaps. Was Lindelof injured? Is Lindelof injured? I feel like I know he's not a left back, but he's left footed, right? He plays yeah, on the left exactly. hand side. Maybe he could have done a job there. Could have done them just back. a three centre backs. You know, yeah, she's got back three, player. maybe. Because if your weakness is midfield and you've brought in this player to be alongside Casemiro, who has that double pivot, mm. which is what I think the idea is because they need that yeah, midfield yeah. solidity, to then play that player so far up. I understand it's like a difficult situation, but. Also, the, the thing that confuses me, what is a Mason Mount? What is a Mason Mount? No, what what role really is he playing? Him. What is his function? It just feels 
so lost. Every time he got the ball, it's like he just didn't... There was no urgency, no inspiration, no mm. like quality. It was just someone looking lost in the middle of midfield. Yeah. I could not believe it. I thought this is the player that Chelsea didn't offer a contract to or didn't think were worth was worth the wages he yeah. did. Um, and I think kind of you can see it a little bit mm. um and they massively overpaid for him but i think the even beyond mason matt i think the issue is that eric ten hog clearly hasn't figured out what he wants to do with him yet nice. he hasn't yeah. kind of been massively. like right well how am i going to use this because there's no doubt mason matt is a quality player managers constantly play him he must be decent mm. but it looks like ten hog hasn't figured out what he's going to do with him and he hasn't figured out what he's going to do with the rest of the team also at some point United fans need to look at Marcus Rashford. Oh, I think now, they're already calling for him. They're calling know, for him to be benched. Like we know, he is on his day outstanding. Mm. Last season, he was unbelievable. Mm. The whole plan at Man United seems to be built around him. Just give the ball to Rashford, and he'll cut in from the left. But we have to talk about how the fact he's a very streaky player. He's mm-hmm. very yeah, streaky. Yeah. Like yeah. when he doesn't fancy, he really doesn't fancy it. And I think, is it? Do you think it's because I think it could be the fact that he has so much weight on his shoulders at that club, and I think sometimes it does just get too much for him? I think there's a combination here. So there is that, but I also think there's a lack of depth. So he's mm-hmm. not being pushed in terms of if he was in a Real Madrid side, I don't think he's even getting on the pitch right now. Yeah, and yeah. That, that, that's the difference. I feel like if you put him into a different squad, I think he has a challenge trying to get into the 11, whereas at Man United, he's been comfortable. He's been seen yeah. as the main man. And obviously, I think Ten Hag doesn't really know how to utilise him best. But he's also, when he's managed to get him onto that left-hand side now, he's seeing that he's being inconsistent. And I think yeah. there's not enough to push him on. So right now, he's having to kind of carry the side to an extent. And like you say, maybe it's getting to his head as well. Like, it's too much for him. But then I think the problem is it's far greater than Marcus Rashford. It's the whole yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. and that, that's no criticism of him, but I just feel like the way Ten Hag's gone about it, he's really just struggled to implement yeah. what he's trying to do with this squad and just with Ra- Marcus Rashford in general. And yeah, I'm just not seeing, I just, I think everyone's starting to see these little pockets of holes now in Ten Hag's kind of philosophies and tactics. And yeah, I struggle because I feel if, the first kind of aims or attacks or tactics don't work. There is no fallback. There doesn't seem to yeah. be like a change of format. And is that down to the quality of players that he's got at his disposal? Probably to an extent. But again, he's had over a year now in that role. Now he's yeah. had time to implement what he wanted to do. He's had two and transfer windows, right? Two transfer yeah, windows? he's had yeah. obviously two transfer windows. If you count when he first joined the yeah. club, and then also this one, and then obviously got January in between. But even so, you kind of look at that, then he's had opportunities. He's had money, so he can't blame about the amount of money that's been invested either. I think he's just not been shrewd enough. Personally, that's where I'd go. Yeah, I think recruitment, as always at United, has been an issue. And I honestly didn't think, for a player like Anthony, who I think is bang average, I didn't think they would miss him that much. And they really, really yeah, miss him. They changed. seem to rely on him a lot for a player who's not actually that productive. Um, so, yeah, crazy. But we need to talk about Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace oh, was massively. that we've not given him any credit. Um, 
I think Eze walks into that United team. I think Joachim Anderson and Guehi walk into that United mm-hmm. team. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of players at Crystal Palace that walk into that side. They look, they looked very, very good. Well drilled. They knew what they had to do. But I think the, there was the difference in terms of approach as well because they absorbed a lot of the attacks. You saw yeah. Eberich is a dropping back as well. You know they knew their duties, and when it came to that final third, it was the quality of the attacks as well. Because, yeah. you know, Ebereche is Ize's kind of free kick that goes to Joachim Anderson, so which was so, so incredible. I've said this. I think he should be, as a defender, should be in the top four, a, a yeah, club yeah, in yeah. the top four as a rotational centre-back. He was fantastic. Sampdoria. Was it Sampdoria? Oh, Sampdoria. Sampdoria it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the thing. Even Mark Gway, who's obviously got the England call-up now, deserves a shot now. I think he's yeah, yeah. proven himself there. But I think you, you just t- look at even Sam Johnson a player that was disregarded at West Bromwich Albion, bought in, and obviously he hasn't been the number one, so to speak, at Crystal Palace. Yeah. But also one thing that was really highlighted was Crystal Palace didn't make rarely any signings this summer, apart from Jefferson Lerma, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Rob and, Holden. Don't forget Rob Holden. Yeah, yeah. But they're <laughs> fairly, fairly steady. So I think, yeah. obviously, last year there was that transitional season with, with Vieira where he bought in a lot of players. Now they know each other. And yeah. one player to highlight, Will Hughes as well. I never thought I'd be calling him out, but <laughs> yeah, he's been yeah. pivotal. He's been pivotal to that success. Yeah. So fair play to them. So really good result. And yeah, Rory, full of praise for Crystal Palace. I absolutely love watching him play. I mm. love watching Eze play. I could just watch him forever. He oh. was a beautiful, beautiful yes. footballer. Of course, ex-Wickham, right? He was on, he was at Wickham? on loan when he was yeah. 17 year old. So yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. I loved him for that spell. He's for a play that was only there for three months. I think it was at the time. He's yeah. been one of the best loanees that's ever like yeah. just been in our team of like, like if you're talking about team that you'd want from various different generations, he always seems to make it now because of how superb he was in that first spell. And he's just blossomed since then. So I do love it when you get a lone yeah. player. Like when I used to watch the Alex, you'd yeah. get the odd lone player that turns up and you're like, we got Majid Bouguera on loan and went on to play for Rangers. <laughs> yeah. And he absolutely yeah. pissed the league. And we yeah, were just like, we've signed Maldini? Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, he was incredible. Oh my God. I've still got a signed shirt of his in the wardrobe. I think that's a story. That, that's another pod that has to be made. <laughs> we, we have to reminisce about these players, but yeah, not a time. Not Unfortunately time. for the Alex, one of them you can't talk about anymore. Gil for so good but on that note we're going to move yes, on yes let's move um, on and we're going to very quickly give um give Luton their credit because I'm, I'm very yes. aware of time yeah, sorry yeah. Luton fans but I love Rob Edwards he seems like a fantastic manager well grounded he's a, yeah. a proper nice bloke he's had a bit of a dig at golf crooks um, in one of his like yeah. people have said he's a lot about him us. down yeah. yeah people have said a lot about us but clearly haven't done their research um I saw now Everton fans, obviously, I, I love Everton fans, but one of them was like, the second Luton got promoted, I put, it was <laughs> nailed on that Luton were going to win at Goodison Park. It was you just always, obvious yeah. it was going to happen. But there was an Everton fan, and this has just come up on Twitter. Absolutely unbelievable. He was at the game at Goodison Park. He then flew to Argentina to watch Boca Juniors River Plate. <laughs> In the Boca Juniors end, and then watched of all players Salomon Rondon get the winner for River Plate. <laughs> that has got to be an absolute kick in the nuts. A player who was dog shit for you getting the winner in a game like that, unbelievable. So it gets from bad for worse, from bad to worse for Everton fans. But oh, how good were Luton? They had 
the game mm. plan. They knew Everton were shite from set pieces and they exploited <laughs> it. So, so obvious, wasn't it? And they had the warning signs on previous corners. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, special word for Carlton Morris. I've liked him since he was at his Barnsley days. He's really progressed as a forward and you could see how athletic he's been this season for Luton. And yeah, again, he was really good when he took that second goal. Um, but he caused a lot of problems for them in those corner situations, which Tom Lockyer takes advantage from as well. Um, but to your point, they've stripped it back as well because Luton, I think, were expansive to begin with. They've actually realised they probably have to take it game by game and they approach this in the right way. Rob Edwards alluded to it at the end. He kind of said, you know, we knew what we had to do in terms of our job, but we t- took it back to basics. We knew where the weaknesses were and they fully exploited it. One thing to say, Luton... Oh, Everton looked terrible. Beto looked awful on this yeah. occasion. And Everton didn't look like they were going to ever score again. This is one of those stories where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what, what, what yeah. is Everton Football Club? Like, yeah. that's that's the kind of essay it's a social for a generation, isn't it? To see <laughs> how much heartbreak 40,000 people can deal with on a Saturday afternoon. Um, that was just the most depressing thing. It was just the most depressing mm. thing to see. And like, just the booing that happens after every Everton game is just, <laughs> it's comical now. I'm sorry, Everton fans, but it's just comical at this point. Um, but we're going to leave the Premier League there. Just before we leave it there, do you reckon they record their boos so it saves them the time of having to <laughs> boo it now? Just play don't bother, don't bother. Yeah. Oh, the, the owners, the new owners were there, the 777 guys. They looked and confused. They, they looked like, Jesus Christ, can we actually make this worse? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to try to make this. Can we worse. get out of like, this deal anytime soon? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was oh, a bad day all around. Um, but we are gonna go for a very quick break. So I'm looking at time. We'll see how much Sadie yeah. we can squeeze in. Um, we're gonna go for a very quick break, and after this, we'll come back with the culture. My name is Massimo Morales, and you are listening to Anglo Italian podcast. Ah, what a break! There we go. We are back <laughs> with the Serie. A action and we're going to start with um let's start with the first game of the weekend i suppose let's start with lecce nil napoli four mm. uh lecce chester seems like it's not going to happen it's not going to um, happen now it's taken a bit of a knock over the last two games but what hasn't taken a knock is Osimhen's confidence and his ability yep. he has taken this as a direct message and he's got his second goal in two games um and Napoli all of a sudden start, can't stop scoring 4 0. And could this be the best thing that happened to Napoli? <laughs> Their form has turned around. It's incredible. You have to argue it has. I think it's galvanized them and they seem like they're more up for it. As Zelinski had a fantastic game again. Kfaratskelia uh-huh. looked dangerous. Politano, Gaetano. I mean, I could just reel off these yeah. names, Rory. They all had superb games. Um, yeah, Lecce were certainly. They didn't. I think it's just a quality that was telling, really. That was very no. obvious from what I saw. I think they just struggled against this quite ramped, rampant, should we say, Napoli. And it's interesting. I think they've probably changed a bit of their style. I believe there's been some conversations around, obviously, the style with Rudy Garcia has been a bit more of a mix it up approach, you know, play it long sometimes and play it short, whereas actually they've gone back to playing it short and they seems to have worked better and more efficiently uh-huh. for them. So, you know, and this was in the mind of, you know, Victor Osman coming off the bench as well for this match. So says a lot that they've got that quality. Giovanni Simeone looks incredible as well. He was unlucky not to have scored himself. Um but yeah, 
perfect result for Napoli, which mm-hmm. then puts a bit more pressure on the top, doesn't it, Rory? It does. All of a sudden, they're not looking out of it. They're four points behind mm-hmm. the Milan clubs who are top of the table. And one player I wanted to talk about as well, actually, because when he's appeared in the past, I've been really impressed by him, but he never really had the chances, is Gianluca Gaetano. I think yeah, he's a very exciting yeah. player. He's only 23 years old. Now, I say only 23. I thought he was younger than that. But then I realized that if you're below 27 you don't get a start in Serie A unless you just don't get to play but I think as a midfielder he's just a very exciting player and I think yeah even like Spalletti made comments that he wished he could have played him more mm. he was like he was on loan at Cremonese yeah. last season right and yeah, before yeah, yeah. that like, he was at Cremonese as well in Serie B yes. So. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And I think he made a few appearances. I remember seeing him come on for Napoli a few times, but Spalletti said, I wish I had had the chance to play him more because he's a very exciting player. Mm. He's like very talented, and I hope he gets the chance. And it's just another kind of talking point for Serie A of like these young players need to get opportunities. Mm. And I think maybe if Rudy Garcia sees this, maybe he can his thing could be, you know, I'm going to give these young players a chance. I can cycle a little bit more. I don't have to stick to that one, that one, because now you could argue that the first 11 isn't head and shoulders above what else yeah. they've got, because there has been a drop in quality. There has been whatever else mm. that maybe there is more of an opportunity to give these players a chance and just vary what's what you're putting out on the pitch, give managers a bit more to think about as, as opposed to just like, okay, this is how they're going to line up. This is how they're going to play. And as you said, there does seem to have been a change in uh, style a little bit, switching it up between directness and playing nice football and just allowing, giving the players maybe a bit more freedom of like, yeah. which is what Spalletti did. Spalletti's thing was like, we have a vague idea, but well, not a vague idea. Let's take giving, taking yeah. a lot of credit away from Spalletti, but we have a, a uh, philosophy, a, theory, I think a philosophy. Thank yeah. you. The word wasn't coming. We have a philosophy, yeah. but then you can, you can like conduct that philosophy how you feel how you see fit yeah. so i think these players have we've seen that these players are able to do that and maybe rudy garcia hasn't been that type of manager in the past and maybe he's realizing okay these players can do that so it would be really good to see if he's able to adapt and if he's able mm. to kind of keep this run going it could just be a us versus them thing and maybe yeah. we're giving rudy garcia a bit too much credit but yeah. um it's incredible to see i'm really happy to see um Osimhen scoring it is the fans have made it patently clear to him that they are not the ones who have an issue with him. Yeah, um, They've made it as clear as they can. His teammates are making it perfectly clear to him. And I think he released, well, I think uh, he did, he released a statement uh, this week, um, kind of breaking his silence, uh, just saying that he loves the city of Naples. He yeah, loves I the saw that. that was a really good, classy um, statement, wasn't yeah. it? And like he has mm. given everything for the badge. He will always give everything for the badge. Um, he appreciated the support of the fans in Nigeria. Mm. And I think he was kind of saying, I think I like your support. Thank you. But you don't need to be attacking the Napoli fans, basically. Yeah. Uh, it was the vibe I got from it. Um, and then he finished with Forza Napoli Sempre. And I think yeah. if he's going to take on De Laurentiis, De Laurentiis isn't going to, he's not going to win the popularity battle. Like, no. how do you see this one going? Because if Osman is happy to stay and he's like, you know what? I'm, I want to be at this club. What happens? <sighs> I, I'm still skeptical whether Osman stays there personally because I think that's a hell of a damage to kind of you know try and overcome. Right, I, I think the um, bridges are potentially burnt from this um, outcome and how Napoli have dealt with it. And you know that's De Laurentiis would have signed off on these statements as well. So for me, I think yeah, potentially the damage is already done. The key question is can. 
De Laurentiis somehow persuade Osserman that this is the project to stay and, you know, yeah. become a legacy, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm struggling still to grapple with this. And I think if you look at his um, persona and his body, you know, I just got this kind of vibe that he's doing this for professionalism, but he's not doing it necessarily to please De, De Laurentiis and co. Yeah. I think he will still demand to leave if it's not January, it will certainly be in the summer. In the um, summer yeah. But I, I, you know, for him, I think this is positive for Napoli fans because they can grasp a little bit of hope on this. Um, yeah. But whether well, it's I think enough, I don't know. For that, like, again, I was talking about Napoli and the city of Naples this weekend and, like, how much I, one, love that city and the mm. people. And I can see how people absolutely fall in love with it and become obsessed with it and become like adopt this identity because it's so like us against the world and we are what we are fuck you and if you get the city if you understand it and if you take the city into your heart those people will die for you and i think osimen has done that he's come from similar like background to a lot of people in that city like kind of Mm. probably even worse because of like growing up in Africa and it, yeah, in Lagos, but it's a similar background of like coming from poverty and dealing with people turning around and saying to you, you're not going to achieve anything. You're not worth anything. And they're mm. proving them wrong. And I think their, their attitudes are so like entwined. And so like they do, it feels like he really gets the city and that, that team don't just adopt anyone. No, and obviously true. it helps that he scores goals. Obviously it helps that he's a fantastic yeah, player, yeah. but his personality as well and the way he's taken on the team has made such a huge difference Massively. and i think him him issuing that statement i think most napoli fans now even if he did leave in summer or in january would understand why mm. they would they there would still be idiots online that are calling him a crybaby and get over it and whatever and i've seen a few of them as well like mm. jesus christ but yeah, I think the majority of level-headed, sensible fans would be like, "Okay, I get it. Yeah, the club fucked up. I'm angry yeah. at the club, not at you." Um, yeah, exactly. I think I don't know. We will we will see how it plays out, but mm. it's great to see him scoring again and to see Napoli mm. smashing him in. Lecce, just get back on the horse, man. Just don't don't let it don't let it affect you too much. Two losses in a row now, yeah. but two tricky games in a row. To be fair to them, Juve exactly. and then. Juve and then Napoli. Not expected to win this, right? Yeah. They would have taken one point from both of those games. They would have bitten your hand off. So I think there there will be plenty of points down the road for them, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Next, we're going to move towards the top of the table and we're going to go to Milan as Milan 2, Lazio nil. Christian Pulisic getting another mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. I am absolutely in the mud with my worst signing of the season shell for Christian Pulisic. <laughs> he's He's been unbelievable. Um, and he got his first goal midweek. He's now got his second. Noah Okafor getting the second. Yeah. A player that we were very excited about from Salzburg. Mm. Looks like, well, that's a huge result for, Lat- for Milan, Massive. right? Massive. It brings it back into the title race, believe mm. it or not. And yeah, I didn't think this was still something that they would be able to achieve. Uh, given that this was Lazio, I thought it would be a tougher game personally. But Lazio, yeah, sloppy passing, just really poor. I mean, there was a Felipe Anderson kind of dragging kind of his teammates a bit at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is, if it isn't, sorry, for Providal, it's a probably a bigger scoreline. And um, this is probably the argument that has been kind of waiting there for the last few games, really, with Sari, And obviously, then we saw the fallout really come out at uh, full time and kind of, yeah, I mean, this is 
looking or feeling like this could be Sari's last few days at Lazio at this rate because he's blamed obviously the Tito for the signings that they made or the fact that it wasn't his necessary signings, yeah. choice of signings. Um, it's interesting when you look at the onset of Ravella, like he'd be perfect for this Lazio squad right now. Yeah. But for some reason, Sari doesn't feel like there is a future for him at this moment in time or doesn't trust him. I don't know what it is, mm. either or, or probably somewhere in between there is an answer. Um, but Sari isn't happy. He's not happy. Obviously, I think he feels like everything's conspiring against him. If it's not the fixtures, it's Latito, it's his squad. Um, strange feeling, considering he got them to that position, right, Rory? And now it feels like it's going to go back to square one again. It's weird because when I... And I know that Lotito dictates who the club signed, but when they made those signings, I thought these are all quite sad signings. I thought they would fit into the system looked sensible, very well. right? Yeah, yeah, I thought Ravella is a player that we were saying Juventus, and I still insist Juventus was stupid to let go. Mm-hmm. A young, yeah. exciting, technical player. Yeah, You've got yeah. Venduzzi who can do the running and do the, he's still a very creative player as well. Like, bringing in Castellanos was going to be a bit of a risk. He had that season in Spain where yeah. he did very well, but he needs time to adapt, etc. But I think the signings all felt quite sensible. Like, Camarda on a free. Camarda like, was amazing. Yeah, business. like, yeah. but I think now, obviously, they've taken a while to, like, gel in these players or it's just not quite working. They've had a tricky start to the season. They've had a few tough fixtures, like, and it's not mm. been an easy start. But... I think for Sadi to then turn around and publicly say these are the players I these aren't the players I wanted. It's not great. I don't know what reaction he got this morning when they went into training. If you know what I mean, like because, well, I think I know what reaction you get, but like I don't know what your final game is. There. Are you just waiting for the payoff? Like right, sack me and I'll take the money. Like because you can't then go onto the training pitch and go right, come on guys, we can win next weekend. Like yeah, I know that yeah. can't happen, right? So. At this point, Latito has very little option but to sack him, surely. I think the problem is, yeah, there does seem to be a little bit of a standoff to say who's going to go first right now. I don't know if Lazio are in a position where they can afford to maybe sack him off just yet. Perhaps they're waiting for maybe certain stages of Champions League before they've got the monies or funds, potentially. Um, It'd be very interesting if it's played by that. But yeah, I, I... I would kind of go, this is the problem you've got is that if you do sack him, who do you bring him in? Who do you bring him as his replacement? And potentially that's what Lutito is kind of thinking is that I'd rather he makes that decision if he wants to move. Yeah. And I think potentially it all depend on how does the players respond as well? Because if they decide to play badly just to get rid of him, then that might force a hand in Lutito and kind of say, we can't get relegated out of this league. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this could be a massive, uh, interesting standoff, right? I didn't anticipate Lazio being at the wrong end of the table this season, Rory. No, me neither. But like, <laughs> yeah, neither. like your prediction, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a typical fashion that everything goes wrong. But this is a massive call for Lotito and for Sari as well. Because I think if Sari moves on, do you think he gets a shot at another club because of the way he's dealt with this situation in particular? I think he has a reputation of being a difficult character. He mm. has he has a reputation of being someone who's difficult to deal with. And like yeah. I think there will be clubs who would have second thoughts about hiring him, especially because this whole job was supposed to be the project, right? This yeah. was supposed to be like we're gonna give you time, we're gonna like well, we're going to get you the players you want. <laughs> Obviously, Within they didn't reason. do that one. Yeah. But like, you know, that we're going to let you do what you did at Napoli with us. 
And then it's just, it's felt like, and then at Chelsea, it wasn't the right fit in Juventus. They didn't like him. And you start to think, is he just, is there a thing like where he's just, can't get on with people or people get mm. bored of him quickly get tired of him i don't know it seems maybe just napoli was the right place at the right time i don't know yeah. I mean, you do still have to remember he won the league with juventus and no one's done it since so there's still that but yeah it's true yeah it doesn't feel like the happy marriage that we thought it was going to be and there was so much progress last year and so much like you know back in the champions league and kind of i know they absolutely shat the bed in the conference league last year but like for him to get them back in the Euro, in the Champions League this year, it felt mm. like there was real building blocks in place. I yeah. still insist that that is a good squad. I still oh think yeah, it's massively. A good squad. And like, I think maybe yeah, defensively you could upgrade a little bit, but that front three of like Zakani, Immobile, Castellanos, oh. whoever you want to pick, Felipe Anderson, is a very good front three. The midfield is very good, like Kamada, mm-hmm. Luis Alberto, Ravella, Guendouzi, whoever you want. There's a lot of quality there, so I think. Sadi's reputation is being damaged massively here, and mm. I think him, yeah, him coming out and making that statement doesn't, uh, yeah. doesn't help either. But for Milan, we need to give them credit. Let's give them credit. Um, <laughs> Joe Spagnoli comment: yeah. Lazio shit in the bed in Europe. Rory, that bed is never clean. That's very, <laughs> very true. That's very, very true. Um, I like that a lot. Um, but for Milan, we need to talk about now. Pulisic is the American that's going to get all of the um, all of the, the plaudits. But I want to shout out the best American they've signed. Yunus Musa has been fantastic mm. since he came in. I think he's such a like calming influence in that midfield. But the midfielder that really stood out here, and he's a young player that Milan fans have been really excited about for a very long time, Yassine Adli. Yes. Not really seen much of him in Serie A, but he came in. Were you impressed? Yeah, I've seen little glimpses of him and I I do like what I see so far and obviously really impressed in this particular match. I think what tells you a lot about him is the fact that he had opportunities to go on loan last season um, but he said to Pioli, no, I want to fight for my position even if I'm still on the bench and I think he's had that benefit of being in amongst the squad. He knows the standards. He's obviously had to bide his time and I think he's now going to blossom from this Um and it probably will have an impact now going into the rest of the season because I think purely if he's clever enough, he'll rotate depending on the games now. So uh-huh. I think there's an opportunity there. But Yasin Adli definitely knew about him before he had this particular match. And yeah, looks promising that he's getting his chance because I think players like Tommaso Pobega uh, has his yeah. chance. And I think he's probably going to go in January. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he's gone maybe by the end of the season. Um, but yeah. Uh, we shall wait and see with Yasin Adli. There's been obviously a lot of hype from his Bordeaux days. A certain Paolo Sosa was his coach at the time <laughs> yeah, and yeah, said yeah, he was the yeah. next Zidane then. So, um, wow. yeah, let's yeah. wait and see. Yeah. I, I think that's probably two bigger kind of encouraging <laughs> words from Sosa there. But, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a prospect there. It just needs to be nurtured yeah. and given time. So it seems like Pioli is giving that to him right now. No, exactly. And I think players stepping up and making Milan... If, if players can step up and make Milan rely on Leao less, that will be much, that oh, will be that a much will needed thing for Milan, for Milan. I think Pulisic has got a good few goals now. There's a really nice video of his dad watching yes, the goal. Yes, just sat there. He doesn't look like he gives a shit, though, when he scores. No, That's but he gets so emotional. You can see him like trying not to cry. You know, I thought like, it was more like Walter White, oh. just like sat there. Oh, really? just... <laughs> <He's> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I was projecting my own emotions onto it. I don't know. Um, but it looked like he was like really taken aback by it. It was a really beautiful moment. Um, 
Yeah. Good to see. I, I never really liked Pulisic, but yeah, fair play. He's doing all right. Uh, <laughs> we need to move on to the next game. Let's talk about, well, Salernitana nil, Inter. <laughs> no, not even. Salernitana nil, Lautaro Martinez four. Four, Because yes. Inter did sod all until he came yeah. onto the pitch. Um, I did think, I know you've got to rest him and you think, okay, Salernitana away, we can probably rest players. But I was like, why not just start Lautaro yeah, against Salernitana? Because exactly. his record against him is pretty good as well as off the top of my head i think he scored against him a lot mm. but he's broken the record right i think um the first yeah player first to come player on. from yeah. as a substitute to score four goals and i was going to ask you this question rory right go on. who was the last player to score four goals for their team in Serie? Uh, in Serie, A, yeah who's the last player that's gonna be a tricky one well, give you go a with. go on antonio di natale no, it's a little oh. bit more present than that. And oh, I was really? surprised by this. Giovanni Simeone for Hellas oh, Verona for against Verona. Yeah. Lazio 4-1 that day. Um, but yeah, I I, I, did, I, I was kind of thinking like, it's got to be Christian Vieri or Del yeah, Piero or someone Luca like Tony, that. honestly, but, the first time. Yeah. I was thinking Luca Tony. Yeah, but no, yeah. Giovanni Simeone in 2001. Wow, right. So yeah, wow. Last for the past, but game. yeah. This game, unbelievable, more important. unbelievable performance from Latano, and I think what we've seen now. Sorry, the dog is trying to get past Jacob. Um, <laughs> she's she's moody and wants to get into bed. She's now tearing the bed up. Good work. Um, so, uh, Latano, yeah. Um, yeah. it's not the Inter rely on him, but he's just massive. He's it supreme. feels like this season he's mm-hmm. really taken a step up, right? Yeah, he's just increased the levels slightly higher now for this season. And yeah, up until that point, obviously Inter didn't look like they were going to do anything in this match. They really did struggle. I mentioned about that Polish midfielder. He scored a goal for Salernitana, but it was ruled off for onside. Yeah, 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 so it was true. very unlucky there. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the mistakes, obviously, you must have seen it, but Ochoa throwing the ball to his defender that didn't expect it. Duns or Dumfries yeah, intercepts. Yeah, it's not looking it's too not pretty. We have to say, yeah, I think there's a lot of concerns with Salernitana now. Um, <laughs> they might, I mean, they, they, they might. Br- brilliant TFOs, but yeah. yeah, apart from that, yeah, they are going to struggle this season with that they squad. They really did look terrible. I know Inter have been the best team in the league so far, so it's like harsh to judge them. Like, yeah. but there was a complete collapse, and the way that Martinez just ran on and bullied them was just yes. insane. And I think I mean, Carlos Augusto for that fourth. Just yep. isn't like intercepted, no challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. whatsoever, and he manages yeah. to get the ball into Lataro, La and he's just like tapping it in essentially, yeah, virtually. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not looking too pretty, Corey. Not yeah. looking very good, but for Inter, just incredible again, incredible business. Taram gets another assist, and like mm-hmm. just everything seems to be going right for them at the moment. Um, Chalnoglu again, Barella gets his first assist of the season. Mm-hmm. Like things are starting to click up, and I think Martinez just. Yeah, he's hitting that. We we said it. He needed to get consistent and he needed to get out of Lukaku's spotlight almost. I felt like it was Lukaku and Lautaro, right? That's it. it was always how it was built. And I think Lukaku yeah. not coming back has been the best thing for him. Oh, it's been a is, blessing. Yeah. He is the main man now. And I think him being made captain as well, he's just absolutely stepping up to it. And I think just in, one of the best strikers in the world at the moment. And he could deliver into their 20th star. 
Uh, yes, that would definitely. Be, that would be that amazing. Would be monumental. And then monumental. one last word on this. Can we get some better commentary teams on TNT? Because Nigel Spackman, with his words on Barella, maybe not being physical enough for the Premier League, is almost like, where the fuck have you been locked up for all these decades, basically? Just, but anyway, I, I, let's just move on. No, let's I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to lose my shit because Barella is one of the best midfielders on the planet and nobody ever talked about him. But then there was a video today and I, maybe it was recorded a while ago, but I saw it today and it was Jude Bellingham. And someone asked Jude Bellingham, which player do you enjoy watching? And he said, Nicolò Barella. And I was like, yes, yes Jude. Yeah. Not only are you an incredible footballer, you are like, you know. He's got good taste. He's got good taste on football. He loves yes. football. Not only did he call out Sid Lowe in his press conference and be like, I really like your work. Absolutely mm. love that. He's then turned around and been like, Nicolò Barella is my favorite player to watch. I cannot find a fault with Jude Bellingham. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. I, Maybe that he comes from Birmingham. That's the only flaw. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did not say anything negative about Birmingham. I want to clear that up. Nice. Uh, good. Let's move on to a game that I enjoyed because I bought him for my Fanta Calcio and he's not played yet this season. And I thought, you know what? I'll stick him in. I'll stick him in. I'll see what happens. He gets a hat trick, Orsellini three, yeah. Empoli nil, and he could have had many, many more. Um, Bologna had a bit of a slow start to the season, mm. not really been hitting the heights that I expected. They're now, they've won two, drawn four, and lost one. Mm. But in this game now, I know it's Empoli, but having watched the game, what really impressed me was, even though he didn't score, and Orsellini did, Xerxes, as a general yeah. all-round player, he's... he's very, very, very good. As simplistic as that is, he's just a very good player. Right? He's very good, but he's also very wasteful as well. He yeah, just needs yeah, to get. Yeah. He needs to improve on that because there's a yeah. chance which was great for him, and all he has to do is tap it either yeah. side of the goalkeeper, and he manages to screw that up. But yeah, I, I'm really excited. I think he probably does benefit from the fact that Arnautovic isn't there. Because it yeah, gives yeah, him yeah. more of a platform as well. well he's um, the main man so. now. He yeah, is exactly. the striker. And I think this is why I was excited about him at the beginning of the season. I was like, I'm really keen to see what he does when he's like the striker and he's starting mm. every game, 90 minutes. And I think what I was really impressed with, his all-round play, his hold-up play, his bringing other players into play as well. I've been really impressed by him. And I think, as you said, he needs to get a bit more clinical. Mm. <laughs> a little yes, bit yeah, more clinical. A little bit. But I think there's a really exciting attack there or an even more exciting attack there at Bologna um, mm. because you've got players now that can kind of grow together. I know Orsolini's like 26, 27, so he's not young. Yeah, but, but he's in his Barrow prime. is very young. Yeah. And like Orsolini's had a bit of a weird career where he's now developing quite late. So I mm -hmm. think there's players that uh, all three of them can develop together. And with Bologna, like even the player that they brought in, Gukema at the back, has just fitted into center yeah. perfectly. Carlson, who they brought in, is very exciting. And I think there's just a really nice squad there, and they're going to be my save on the next football Massively, manager. They're yeah, definitely yeah. going to be my team that I'm starting the game with. I really love that squad, but I was really impressed with Xerxes. And I think Orsolini, to come in and just make the make it look so easy, he could have had four, maybe five. Yes, but I he, think my yeah. favorite goal was the third one because he has the back heel a back heel one two yeah so he no, like drops that, yeah. it into the center makes the run the guy plays it back to him and he, he just he at that point he was just so confident and i love watching him like that i just think he's mm. 
one of the most underrated players in Serie A. I think he's insane. He's... I th- yeah, I think he's beautiful. But one other thing on this match, Skorupski saves him as well. So yes. there's at the beginning of the match, saves very early on. Then from Caputo as well. Mm-hmm. I think obviously a different goalkeeper potentially lets one of those in. And that yeah. changes how the game goes. But yeah, they've got a solid base, Bologna, yeah. it's fair to say. And Thiago Motta, definitely liking him. I think, you know, another season career. like that. I was like randomly Wikipedia in his career, right? And I'm like, that guy has won everything. He won the yeah. he won the Champions League with Inter and with Barcelona. Barcelona, yeah. He won La Liga. He won Serie A. He won the yeah. French title. He's won fucking everything. I was like, yeah, yeah he has he has had a much better career than I recall. He's a very very good player, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. it, just, it just reminded me. I was like, God damn! Imagine that guy walking into the changing room. Like, yeah, I'm listening to that guy, right? I exactly. think he's a really exciting manager, and if Bologna can keep hold of him for a long time, they could really, we could see a lot of progress mm. there. Yeah. <clears throat> but, sorry, Empoli also can't hit a barn door, and bringing on, <laughs> Mattia, bringing on Mattia Destro That's is true. not the, the lifeline that they seem to no. think it is. Um, but a great win for Bologna, and before we end this, because my voice is about to go, um, we're going to talk about Udinese Genoa. Um, yes, Adam, yeah. tell us, 2-2, Udinese mm-hmm. still buddy all over the place, aren't they? They are, but um, the player that you didn't like from last week's uh, pod where you said Lorenzo Luca, he doesn't have that Luca Tona vibes. Um, He turned up and scored a banger, to be fair. Um, Well, of course he did. Of course he did. But the one player that I did want to call out for this one was the Genoa perspective, which was Mm -hmm. Goodmanson. Goodmanson, uh, yeah, interesting quote from Giladino, who basically said he doesn't want the media to say anything more about him because he was really good he looks really dangerous he's the form player for Genoa and he looks threatening every time Rory like Udinese really struggled he scored a goal that was disallowed then he goes and scores a goal um him and Rotegui they look very formidable and um mm-hmm. interestingly did a bit of research on him as well Goodmanson has a bit of a historical context as well because his mum and dad have played for the Icelandic football teams um so he's got a bit of like genes obviously gene pool nice. there um, but also his grandfather also played for the Icelandic team so again he's got a bit of something going on there so yeah he's a player to look out for Rory and I, I think looking at this performance he looks like a quite a lethal striker at the moment. Yeah. I would I don't want him to be Piontek standards because again, <laughs> same <laughs> no, club, no. right? Same no. club. I'm hoping well, he doesn't it. score thirty goals and that get gets old to Milan. But um yeah, I mean this could be an interesting player. And he's obviously got the great manager in Giladino who seems mm. to be just developing this side even better. Um but yeah, Rory really looking like that's a good player to look out for this season. And uh, Udinese, at least they've got some points on the board. That's the most important well, thing. Well, that's for it. They're kind of four yeah. draws. Jesus Christ. That it's is not great. Just, I know it's obvious, but just one goal away. <laughs> one goal away, always. But Genoa now on eight points. One, two, drawn two, lost three. For a promoted side, they are handedly the best promoted mm-hmm. side so far um, by some distance. Let me double check. Yeah, wait. Cagliari and who was the other promoted side? Oh, Frosinone. Uh, no, Frosinone. Frosinone. Um, yep. Well, Genoa nearly as good as Frosinone. Close. Um, but yep. the point stands. We talked about how good their squad is and how at home they look. Um, and yeah, yep. that Rit- that Ritegui, um goodmanson partnership is pretty 
exciting. Mm, but seeming as my predictions never go right, I need to give myself a shout out because one did go right. Sassuolo after beating Milan <laughs> yes. and after beating Inter or yeah. whatever, um, they lost at home to Monza 1-0. So, you know, um, a broken clock is right twice a day. Still and I managed from to get the rich, one right. give to the poor, right? <laughs> That's what they've done. Exactly. exactly. Classic the Robin Hood dressed in green and black. Yeah, absolutely love that. 1-0 as well in the 66th minute. Absolutely classic Sassuolo but guys we do have midweek action as well god damn it the football mm. never ends um I'm just gonna very quickly take you through some fixtures and just tell me how excited you are about them Adam on go a scale on, of one to it. ten how excited are you by Inter Benfica six out of ten yeah it's not bad that is it it's not bad mm. at all I quite yeah. I quite like that Man United Galatasaray <laughs> Oh, I cannot wait for Icardi to do his thing and maybe Wilfred Saha to uh, double up. That would be great. Um, I'm going to go for a 7 out of 10 for that one. I'm honestly like an 8 or 9 because I think Galatasaray are going to win that. Um, it would be interesting. Napoli-Real yeah. Madrid. Oh, I, I think this is a problem with that. It looks attractive. But then you can see it being nil-nil, couldn't you? You yeah, could yeah, see yeah, it yeah. being a dull book. But I don't think it will be dull. I think this is a 9 out of 10, Rory. Yeah, I, yeah. I genuinely yeah. think there'll be end-to-end. And yeah, Ancelotti will play it cool. Uh, but Rudy Garcia might just Back let his team do their thing as well, right? Oh. Yeah, that, that's... Yeah, so many connotations. And like you say, Jude Bellingham's on form as well. Last-minute winner from Bellingham is basically guaranteed at this point. Um, (laughs) And I love how he's actively speaking Spanish online, genuinely trying Mm. to speak Spanish, and he's added the Modric outside of the foot assist to his Arsenal, if you saw it at the weekend. Beautiful cross um, for Hozalu, who actually scored. Mm. Um, He seems to be learning (laughs) at Real Madrid. He's getting a lot, a lot better. Um, you can be low on this one because I'm not personally excited about it either. Lons Arsenal, I'm at a solid like five, four, five. Four. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I we'll still would be interested to see what Lons are going to be like because they yeah. didn't really do too much in their first game. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's going to be a, a trickier than we think. I'll be honest. Um, oh, Dortmund Milan. <sighs> I will go for an eight out of ten for that one because yeah. that could be juicy. Yeah, I think Milan get a win there, you know. Dortmund are absolutely all over the place at the minute. Mm. (laughs) The most despicable game in modern football, Newcastle versus PSG. Yeah, I know. This is a 7 out of 10. I'm just, yeah, I can sense this could be quite an open game because PSG aren't playing as well. But then you've got Newcastle maybe at home. Home advantage. Well, it's going to be absolutely popping off, isn't it? Have you seen that? Oh, God, they've got bloody drone lights. For they? when have you seen the video? No, I haven't. Then they're so, doing yeah, like a drone show of like the shirts with the numbers, and like it is absolutely the definition of plastic. I looked right. at it and I was like, oh god, this is so bad. I just saw someone retweeted it with the Captain Tom, you know, when they did Captain <laughs> Tom in drone. <laughs> then someone did it with Jason Tindall. I was like, yeah, that's got it's gotta be Jason Tindall in drones, please. Just it's that. gotta be. Um and possibly the lowest one here, RB Leipzig Man City. Yeah, I'm going to give that a 4 out of 10, definitely. Yeah. It's just going to be boring. And last one. Oh, this is going to be... Oh, there's going to be fighting in Glasgow. Celtic okay. against Lazio. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this could be an interesting one, definitely. Um, Celtic Lazio. And is Celtic at home for this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I will give that a 6 out of 10. It could be... Someone's going to die in that game. game. 
someone's going <laughs> to die at that game. I can guarantee it now. Um, very quickly, we're not going to do the ratings. I'm just going to take you through the Europa League, the Cool Kids Club. We mm. have um, Aris Limassol taking on Rangers, who now have Alex Ray in charge in a hilarious yeah. twist of events. Um, AEK Athens hosting Ajax. That's a big one. Sporting taking on Atalanta. Brighton visiting Marseille. That is mm. what an away trip. Um, SC Freiburg taking on West Ham. And I'm looking for Roma taking on Servette in Rome. Liverpool hosting Union Saint-Gilles. And that is the Europa League. In the even cool. cooler kids club, we have... Um, I'm just looking for the Aston Villa game, basically, aren't I? Where is it? Um, Aston Villa taking on Jurinsky. Is that how you say that? Um, well, Aberdeen taking on HJK. Fiorentina taking on Ferenc Varos. That's quite an interesting Oh, that could be a good one. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. AZ Altmar um, hosting Legia Warsaw. That's a tricky one for Legia, That's going to be right? a big one. That's going to be quite a, a juicy one. game because that, I think that's the favourites, right? AZ yeah. Altmar and um, Villa technically in that group. But yeah, yeah, that could be a really good result. Or good game for both. Good game yeah, for both. They got to the quarterfinals last year, didn't they? Um, yeah, AZ. Yeah. AZ, yeah, he got knocked out by West Ham. So that could be a very, very good game. And that is all your action midweek, guys. We are going to be back Friday morning talking about all that action. Probably, yeah. Um, Obviously, I hope nobody dies in, in Glasgow. I just think there's going to be a lot of be noise lot of carnage, around that yeah. game. Uh, just need to clear that up. But yes, we are going to leave that one there on a the fairly dodgy note. Thank you for joining us online. Yes. If you joined us, thank you for listening. If you listened, um, if you are on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button here, there. Appreciate it. Um, and tell your friends, leave a comment if I've upset you, if Adam's upset you, if there's something <laughs> that you agreed with, maybe. Uh, mm. Leave a comment. That's always nice as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Anglo Italian mm-hmm. Pod for our weekend reactions to matches. There's all sorts of stuff over there. Yeah. And leave a rating on the podcast app and tell yes. a friend. Yes. I think that's everything. That is everything, Rory. Let's go and let's leave these people to their let's go on my voice. nine to five jobs, right? And my save voice your is voice. Going. And <laughs> very last thing, we've got new guests and these guests don't complain about noise. So merci. I believe they're French. So I'm saying merci. Thank you for not complaining. Uh, guys, we will see you next time. Arrivederci. Podcast Network.